welcome to Outcomes Rocket Nursing, where we interview some of the most innovative leading nurses in the United States and abroad. Today, it is my honor to bring Alice Benjamin, a board-certified clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner with over 20 years nursing experience specializing in cardiovascular, critical care, and emergency medicine to Outcomes Rocket Nursing. She is a community wellness advocate and is also the chief nursing officer and contributor at nurse.org and also a medical contributor for NBCLA. So Alice, it is so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Alice, you know, I think a lot of what inspires our work in nursing um, comes from a very personal place or part of our history. So can you tell us a little bit what inspires the work that you're doing in health and healthcare today? Yes, we all have that personal story, our why. And I have to say, um, I didn't originally think I was going to become a nurse. I wanted to become an accountant. So let me just say that. However, um, as the eldest, I was really inspired to become a nurse because of my dad. You know, as the eldest child, always, you know, you help your parents. And my dad had heart disease growing up and he'd experienced strokes and heart attacks here and there. And just as the eldest, I kind of fell in line helping him along with my mom. And even though, you know, he was retired military, had access to great benefits, there was just a gap you know, him going to his appointments and understanding really what the doctor was saying and applying it at home. And I just felt like there was such a gap in care. And I remember going to some of the visits with them and just thinking, wow, I would say it like this, or I would say it like that, or I'd want to make sure that families really understand this. And long story short, you know, ultimately my dad passed away of a massive heart attack, but it was being with him and watching this journey made me want to become the best cardiac nurse in the world. I wanted to make sure that families fully understood their medications, you know, all of the idiosyncrasies of diet and, you know, salt intake and exercise and smoking and all of these things. And I just wanted to make sure that I can bridge that gap and be able to communicate it in a way that people understood. Because I think, you know, as healthcare professionals, we are very well intended, we're very knowledgeable, but sometimes we don't incorporate health literacy when we're talking to patients. And I just saw a gap, not only with my dad, but in you know other communities. And I just felt like I want to fix that. And so I set out to be the best cardiac nurse in the world, which I'm going to go ahead and claim because I, end, I became a cardiac clinical nurse specialist. And that was really uh, what inspired me to become a nurse and really strive to, you know, not only help people inside the hospital, but outside the hospital, which is why I do a lot of community work and talk about healthcare and important health issues using other platforms like television, social media, print, digital, and all kinds of things. Wow, Alice. I mean, that is an incredible background story. And I'm, I'm really sorry about the passing of your dad. And, you know, I, I think you open up in a way that so many of us that entered nursing came into, which is there's still a lot of blind spots in healthcare. And there is still a lot of gaps that we deal with, with regarding the treatment of disease and the management of patient populations that and may not just have the accessibility that other populations have. And so I love that you get upon yourself to say, you know what, I can do more and that it's important to join the profession because one, we're very lucky to have you. But two, I think this humility and this, this point that many of us start from is why nursing is so valuable to healthcare today, because it's often personal. Tell us a little bit about how you are adding some new value to the healthcare ecosystem with regards to your perception and you know background, which I, as, as I said, is, is really distinguished in this space. But how are you seeing this entire um, movement going forward and, and the value that, that we can bring? Well, I, I think one of the beautiful things about a nurse is that there are so many options 
nursing, you know, wherever there's a patient that has a problem or issue, nursing can show up in whatever environment that looks like. So myself as Alice Benjamin, the nurse. So just building off of why I became a nurse with my with my dad, I started to volunteer with community health organizations like American Heart Association or ARP to help really add that nursing voice to organizations who are well-intended, who have uh, who are supportive of nursing and other healthcare professionals who have important health initiatives, but didn't have that actual nurse there. And nurses, you know, we're, we're the most trusted profession out there. And so I was able to add some of my expertise, some of my passion, and some of my way of thinking as a nurse. Because as nurses, we look at problems differently than maybe other lay people or other, even doctors. We look at things holistically. You know, I'm not just the cardiologist looking at the heart. I'm not the nephrologist is looking at the kidney. I'm looking at the whole picture. So I've been able to work with community organizations like that. I'm still working in the hospital, working directly with patients in that sense. And then I've also had the privilege of uh, recently becoming the chief nursing officer at nurse.org, which is an amazing organization who has like, it's the largest nursing online platform out there, has an amazing reach of like 1.4 million visitors a month. And really not just continue to communicate important health information, but to help foster a community of nurses, future nurses, and other healthcare professionals as we identify, you know, workforce issues, practice issues, and worldly events that impact what we do. And so it's been great to, as a nurse, be able to have this ability to influence and work with other people, because it really does take a village to, you know, to get a message across to really make an impact. It does take a village. And honestly, congratulations. I I am a big believer that if you are in healthcare today and you don't have a chief nursing officer at your organization, and especially if you're an organization that has been speaking to or representing nursing, then you are off target. So I am so glad to hear that nurse.org embraced this position that you are the you know chief nursing officer of the organization, because I think your perspective is so in fundamentally imperative to the world that we're going to build where nurses are leaders within healthcare as opposed to many of the times where we felt like we just sort of had a, you know, a seat in the, the back of the room and not a lot of opportunity to drive those changes. So I'm so glad to see that you are embracing this and taking this role and, and leading it um, forward because you know there has been a lot wrong in nursing and also in our representation of nursing in the world. So tell us, what are you doing differently today and better than what was available before? And what is your vision for where things can go? Gosh, well, I'll, I'll say this. I think one of the things is that now with technology on our side, we as nurses have the ability, our outreach can be so much greater than just that direct patient or patient family that was once at our bedside. So, you know, I really think that, you know, I do stuff on my own. So, you know, again, volunteering with community health organizations, and I've learned this more so like working with nurse.org. They have an amazing reach of people. And so, you know, working with them, collaborating with them on important issues for nurses and being able to add that um, unique nursing voice to, you know, many of the great ideas that they already have. It has been tremendous at not only helping and impacting nurses, but people who are interested in becoming nurses, nursing students, people who've just passed the NCLEX, people who have been nurses. Maybe they're thinking of exiting their career. Perhaps we can help them uh, rejuvenate, find their why again, or pivot in their career. So I think that is one of the things that I feel that we at Nurse.org have been doing so well at. And we currently have this campaign called The Real Nursing Shortage. And I know you know, but we've had, we've had this nursing shortage even before the pandemic, right? It was slowly growing and brewing. 
However, the pandemic really shed a light on many of the broken processes. And it's even exacerbated some of the issues where sometimes nurses didn't want to be nurses anymore. And so working with nurse.org and really working on this campaign to not only raise awareness to it, but to really look at all of the data, the stats, and let's be objective in this. Because I think that's also one of the things in this unique role as chief nursing officer, there's a business component to nursing that we as nurses, we don't necessarily learn that in nursing school. You know, we learn, take care of the patient. That's the most, that's the priority, which it is a priority, but sometimes we have to be more strategic. We have to be more business-like in how we get the, this message and this this information across. But anyways, they, we've been doing a tremendous job at the Real Nursing Shortage Campaign. Stats, data, we have polls, we have a pledge for folks to sign. And you know, providing nurses with the verbiage and objective data to take to their respective hospitals or clinics or managers to talk about these important issues and to hopefully make change to improve the work conditions. So that's something that I think that I'm really, really proud of that initiative. It's ongoing right now, but it's been an amazing experience. And I think we're doing a a rock awesome job. Oh man, I am so glad to hear about this campaign that you guys are working on because you're absolutely right. I mean, the the truth is, is that the nursing shortage of what we're facing 2020 to 21 was the largest exodus from our profession in US history. We're looking to retire another 500,000 nurses by 2022. Our current hospitals are running at a 20% deficit of the nursing workforce within our hospital settings. And we're seeing a nearly 100% turnover annually at every single nursing home in the United States. And the truth is they are closing beds, they are closing floors, they are closing hospital doors, not because they don't have the beds, but because they don't have the workforce of nursing. And what that means is patients die. And the truth is, is for far too long, like you said, we've known this crisis is coming. Nurses have been raising their hands and flags. Um, And to your point, it is the business of healthcare. The challenge with nursing today is it speaks to the cost side of most healthcare systems. In fact, it speaks to the cost side of every healthcare system because nurses are rolled into the room rate which means that the payer model is very disturbed in that area because in any business that you want to deal with, you always want to drive down costs. And and, as nursing has been treated that way, we keep driving down costs, we keep de-investing in nursing. And the truth is because of that repeated and uh, sustainable de-investing in nursing, we are seeing an absolute tremendous impact to our workforce. And, and to be the truth, you know, Alice, I was with a group of nurses last week in Arizona at the Arizona State Nurses Association um, speaking there. And I just don't know if we're going to be able to get those nurses back. And it's it's heartbreaking to me. And I, I can't blame them, right? I, I don't know what we can do to do that thing. So I love that you guys are running this campaign. I'm going to have to check it out and look at it more carefully. I mean, I encourage everybody else to do so as well. And I think, you know, you know, this leads us to that next that next conversation question, Alice, which is what do you think people need to understand about nursing that perhaps they don't know? And especially now that we're facing such a critical time in our history as a profession. That is a great question. And I've been asked this before. And when I say it, it's going to sound so simple, but it's something that's so overlooked. So we as nurses are consumers too. So everything that you know, patients and families are going through struggling with, yes, they look at us as nurses, we're there to take care of people. But at the end of the day, we also need to take care of ourselves. It's very fundamental. It's like when you're on the airplane, when the oxygen mask comes down, we have to put our oxygen mask on first so that we can help you put your oxygen mask on. And I think that that's been forgotten by many of the people who are receiving care. And, you know, I'm glad that they that, you know, they hail us as heroes and, you know, we've been referred to as soldiers in a war and 
we've been told, well, we signed up for this. Well, I signed up because I genuinely care about people, right? I, I really care about people and caring for, especially those who can't take care of themselves. But I don't think they understand the magnitude of what's been happening. I mean, it's already been happening pre-COVID, but then when you think of what's been happening this last almost two years now, I think we're going to be almost, I mean, shy of it. But I mean, literally I was working in the ICUs and the ERs well beyond ratios, which makes it, you know, can make an unsafe environment. So you have overworked staff, you have don't have lack of resources, overwhelmed with patients. I mean, these are all recipes for disasters and errors, yet I'm expected to do my very best and save lives. So the expectation of the work outcomes were tremendous without the support or care for myself. So I had no oxygen mask on, trying to put on everyone else's oxygen mask. And that's one thing that I really want people to understand about nurses. Now, there's a lot of stuff you'll see on TV and sometimes some negative images about, you know, they'll see nurses picketing or saying that they're not going to come to work, they're protesting. And many, much of that is because we were forced there. That's We were pushed to that point because no one was listening to us. So I really want people to listen and understand that we as nurses, we love taking care of people. We absolutely do. But please allow us to put our oxygen mask on so we can help you put yours on. That is, I mean, it was so beautifully said. And I think that to your point, the way that nurses have been filling up their cup has not been able to happen in the course of the last two years with COVID. They've been constantly asked to do more with less with the shortage getting worse, um, it means that when they do leave their shift, they're often called within a couple hours to see if perhaps they could come and work another day when they thought they had that off. And we keep pulling from the same buckets in the same cup. And I think we are at this critical moment in time where have we asked or are we asking too much of a workforce that just can't keep going? And I think we've all experienced stress, right? I think that's the problem, Alice. Like people are gonna be like, well, I'm in stress too. Like it's totally stressful in my workplace too. And, you know, I just take a couple of days off and we're better. Um, I think there's some inherent differences. And so could you explain, help paint this picture for the audience? Some of them who, you know, many of our audience do not work in healthcare. They're, they're not nurses. How come what we're talking about here is so different than other people who are feeling stressed or overworked or feeling burned out. Because, you know, I mean, the national survey that was just done across the country is 40% of every person in the workforce right now is looking for a new job. This isn't to healthcare. Everybody's just feeling sort of burnt out. Why is it different in nursing today? I, I get it. Everyone's stressed, but this is a whole different type of stress. Like people are literally trusting us with their lives. The simplest mistake, the slightest delay, the smallest error could result in a very bad outcome you know, we could lose someone's life. And I think people really just have to understand. I mean, if you look at all of the things that nurses are dealing with, and I'll, I'll use the pandemic, for example, again, a large influx of people needing care. Well, we are, we were already short staff and nursing, this is a, a physical and mental, mentally exhausting job. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, there are tasks to it, but we have to critically think we're emotionally tied to our patients because, and I saw this a lot during the pandemic, there was lots of death around us, an overwhelming amount of deaths. I remember I worked, well, what was supposed to be a 12-hour shift ended up being a 16-hour shift because there was no one who could replace me. We were calling nurses who were already exhausted to come in and work. So we're working beyond exhaustion. We're under-resourced. We're seeing an overwhelming amount of illness and death and something that we we didn't even know what we were, we were up against because we don't, we don't have a cure for COVID. This is even before the vaccines. So you take that along with having to fight for PPE, worried about our own safety. Many of our coworkers around us getting ill. 
we concerned that we're going to contract it or bring it home to our families. And, you know, again, at a time where a nation shut down, daycares and schools are closed. Well, who's going to help me take care of my kids so I can come to work? And then all of this just very, and no break, don't even think of going for a water break, a pee break or lunch break. Like what's that? Once you're wrapped up in your PPE, it's not coming off. And then all of this just like mentally beating us down and without a lack of mental health supports. And I'll say appreciation from outsiders. Now, it was cool to have like the occasional like, oh, here's a free coffee. Here's a free happy meal or whatever the case may be. But, you know, we were really operating with our cups and I'm going to say empty. I'm never going to say half full. They were empty. And so that just really, really made it a very tough time. You know, I, I think you painted such a brilliant picture of, of what is going on and what went on in that situation. And this issue of appreciation um, is something that every nurse that I've been talking to in recent weeks and months, um, it is a topic that seems to come front and center. And I was listening to some nurses speak over the weekend and they use the term, we're just broken. And it's okay that we're broken. But the question became next how do I go on? And I met these nurses and I would look them in and, and every nurse I asked, how are you? Every nurse, they, they welled up or started crying. And I've never had that happen. Compassion fatigue. We call, I mean, compassion fatigue. We're there to care for people, but just being overwhelmed, you know, because we're nurses, we care. We're going to show up. Even when we haven't eaten, we haven't gone to the bathroom. You know, we have those 12 hour bladders and we show up, we show up, we show up, we show up, we show up. And then but at a point, this goes for everyone, you're going to get tired. And we were working well beyond that. And many of us are have experienced compassion fatigue. And it was it's very frustrating. And so what do you do? Right. So, and that's why I feel like a lot of nurses getting tired. Um, that's why you're seeing nurses be more vocal about this. And I want to make sure that the public understands we're not just complaining to complain because we're being brats. We're not you know, put your feet in our shoes for just a moment. And if you really could have a lived experience with all of these things that we've talked about, you too would get to a point to say, you know what, we need to design and institute better work conditions to make sure that our nurses don't leave the workforce. Because if they leave the workforce, that will further exacerbate and worsen the healthcare system. And then, you know, more of a burden to the nurses that do stay and discourage people from wanting to enter the profession. And, you know, we're in a nursing shortage. We need more nurses. We need to keep everyone we can keep and figure out how we're going to fix the system so we can actually build up our workforce so we can have more nurses enter. It is such a, a good point. The, the need to put sometimes our feet in other people's shoes and really walk, you know, a mile in their shoes to see what's going on. And I know that's hard to understand for others. And it's to your point, nurses aren't just complaining to complain. It's at this point where there is a different sense of urgency to their cries for help that they often feel they're going to administration and others, that it falls on deaf ears. And Fundamentally, that's a broken system in many ways that we even just highlighted a little bit before. But there is something that I think we're going to need the support of everyone in the United States to say, hey, it's time to rally behind the nursing profession, invest dollars and resources into stabilizing this workforce. Because what happens when there are no nurses at, at the bedside? And you know as well as I do, Alice, right? Like when there's no nurses by the bedside, it means patients die. And that is something that for the first time I've ever experienced walking into a hospital system where, you know, I had to wait five hours in the emergency room with my daughter. And by the time we were seen, 
you know, our ER doctor looked at him and said, hey, you know what, we're short staffed by 25% nursing and, you know, we can't see you. And I'm sure you're hearing these stories all over too, Alice, about what's going on in healthcare. And this is becoming a really real problem. And what are you hearing from some of your, your friends on the front lines? Like, what are they expressing to you today as well in, in terms of their view of nursing? Well, I will say the nurses... They're still glad that they're nurses, but they are looking for ways to either try to improve the system or find a way out. And one of the things with the pandemic is it's opened doors to other opportunities to provide care for people. So, you know, telehealth has really kicked in. You know, now there are COVID sites where they do COVID vaccinations and testing. And so there have been other jobs that have opened up because of COVID or we've looked at how we deliver care a little more differently. But, you know, overall, my colleagues and I are tired. We are. I mean, I love taking care of people, don't get me wrong, but I'm tired. So one of the beautiful things about the campaign that um, we have at nurse.org, we've actually designed a survey and we've had over 1600 nurses complete the survey. So it's helping us to better understand what, you know, nurses are feeling and, on the website, we've provided a toolkit that has stats, data, information, and it, it itemizes all of the issues of why nurses are tired and fatigued and how we can give ideas of how the conversations that they can have with management, the things that they can do to help improve the conditions at work. And you know, one of those is calling on our legislators. I know when, we, when people hear the word legislators, they're like, I'm not a politician. I don't do that. But you know what? We really need to, as nurses, I know we're re- you're really great at that IV. I know you can give those medications. You know, you're all of those caring things we're really, really good at. But this is the muscle that we as nurses underutilize, our ability to influence. Because you're a nurse, because you're the most trusted profession, because you've seen what happens at the front line, you have a very compelling story to tell someone who is in a position to make changes. So whether that's your manager, your director at your hospital, maybe it's your chief nursing officer or the CEO of your hospital, maybe it's your state representative. We need to talk to people and work with organizations who are allies and who want to work with nursing to help make these changes. Because I mean, collectively, we're the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. If we could just all rally together and really say what it is that we as nurses need. And, you know, obviously everyone wants to justify, justify it. Well, if you have happier nurses, happier patients, how about alive patients? I think that's the most important part. You know, we really, really have to vocalize ourselves. And as again, another muscle as nurses is, you know, when we're tired, we're fed up, we have our natural built-in emotions and we just want to speak out, but we also have to organize our thoughts in a manner and add data to it as we're making our requests to make changes. And not only should we just be making requests, but I think we're maybe at the point where, well, we are at the point where we we should be demanding and insisting. This is what we need to do our job. And we want to do our job safely. We care. I don't want to leave the nursing profession, but if these things don't happen, then you won't have nurses to take care of people in the future. Yeah, it's changing that conversation. It's flipping the model um, that I think, to your point, is a conversation that largely has come down from a top-down structure. And what you're saying is it's time that the front line really starts to own that conversation and what they need to be successful. And, you know, I loved when you said, you know, nurses are either looking to, you know, improve the situation that they're in or they're looking for a way out right now. And that's exactly what I'm experiencing, too. And the truth is, when COVID hit, right, 
It was the nurses who ran in and stood when everybody else fled, when the physicians stopped going into the beds, when uh, you know the supply team would no longer come on the floors. It was the nurses who stood firm and stood in front of that patient and between them and the disease to try to save their lives and put together the command centers in these hospital systems and healthcare systems to keep healthcare running. And I don't want to lose that power that we gained as a profession, but you feel like even it's rolling back to it. And it's like, wait, what did we just do? Like the nurses led during that time. And why are you rolling back over them? So, you know, Alice, you, you went through this, right? Like, I mean, you lived on the front lines of, of some of this COVID time that was just insanity. When the status quo failed us, everything we thought we knew about how to care went right out the window because it constantly failed. And I was doing meetups with nurses from around the world when COVID hit and they were calling in and they were telling us, you know, like watch CO2 shifts and, you know, flip patients over onto their stomach because there was no guidance, right? Like people were panicking and nobody was able to guide nurses except other nurses. So tell me a time that you witnessed a time when a nursing team came together to provide a great solution to a problem that others just weren't addressing. Oh my gosh, there's so many examples of that. But you know, I'm, I'm going to share this one. And the reason why I'm doing it, because it speaks to not only the science of nursing, but the art of nursing. Like we know, we know some workarounds. Like if something it does not work the way it is designed to, don't worry, you want someone to figure it out, give it to a nurse. A nurse is going to figure out how to jerry-rig it, how to make this go this way, that way, this way. Oh, I don't need this. Let me grab this syringe and I just need this tubing and boom, boom, boom. It works. So one of, I have to be honest, one of the, what may look like one of the most simplest fixes was genius. And it was, nurses came up with this. So obviously like many of these folks who are in the hospital, they're connected to IVs, they get IV treatments. And, you know, with COVID, we wanted to uh, minimize unnecessary exposure. You know, when the alarm beeps, it's kinked and all of those things. You didn't necessarily want to have to gown all up and then go into the room to do a simple fix. So nurses actually thought of the creating the extensions of them. I don't know if I say they developed. I know these, these tubings existed somewhere, but they just weren't in practice. But they made the IV tubing lines longer and they created hooks on the wall so they wouldn't fall on the floor and they would position them outside of the patient's room. So no longer were the IV poles just right next to the patient, but they were outside the doors. And, you know, even though it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Literally, nobody was thinking of that except for the nurses who were having to gown up, go in and was having this repeated prolonged exposure for some of the simplest things. So, I mean, and that's and again, that's one of the more simplest things. But it was something that I saw sweeping across the nation. And I thought if we could just quantify just that simple fix that a nurse thought of how many times we have limited and prevented a potential exposure because someone was not having to go all the way into the room. If you think of every nurse, every shift, 365 days out of the year at multiple hospitals across the nation, I mean, I don't even know what that number would look like. I couldn't even count that high, but nurses thought of that. Nurses were thinking at every step of the way, how can we improve this process? How can we keep people safe? And I know everyone, every hospital has an epidemiologist, an infection control team, but that small team couldn't be in the entire hospital the entire time. You had nurses who are at the bedside, you know, 24-7 coming up with these inventions and these workarounds to keep people safe. And I think that's one of the things that I really want to pat nurses on the back for. I don't know that they get recognition for that. You know, probably the IV tubing, the Baxter and Alaris folks get credit for making the for making those pieces, but nurses are the ones that actually applied those things and did so in the most appropriate situations and literally 
decreased so many unnecessary exposures from doing simple tasks like that. I love hearing you say this because, you know, it is exactly, that was just such a perfect story to display the ingenuity that nurses bring to those bedtimes. And I, you know, I always say nurses are the truest of innovators because when they innovate, is to make and save patients' lives, right? Like they do it because what they have in front of them is not working. It's creating more work for them or it's creating worse outcomes for the patients. And that is what you, you know, to your point, we and all of these innovations over time that have been lost to history that we never stopped and documented and appreciated because the moment in which we do that, we just thought it was part of our job. But when you look at everything else, if we could have captured that value, it doesn't only speak to your point to the art of nursing, it speaks to the science of nursing. And I remember talking with a woman by the name of Linda Benton over at Johnson & Johnson, and she has this amazing video out there. I don't know if you know about it. It's like Nurses Are Innovators video, and it's absolutely beautiful. And it comes back and it shows Florence Nightingale, and then it shows all these other incredible nurses across history. But I'll never forget, she told me that when they went to find these stories, they had to hire an expert in the deep web to find these stories. Because the truth is, nobody ever documented the impact that nurses made. We've been largely erased from history since Florence Nightingale um, 200 years ago, and I don't understand why. And the truth is, what you just explained is another example of why going forward, we as nurses must own our innovations, our workarounds, and all of that so that we can document and create greater value, greater value for the profession. So thank you for sharing that. I love this. And so Alice, you are in a very prestigious role within your organization. You've had quite a history of accomplishments uh, to get to where you are today. But we know that you know life isn't easy. And most of everyone who has managed to get somewhere in life, there has been some major challenges. Would you share with us, you know, what are those setbacks that you've experienced? And what was the learning that you took from it and advice you can give to others? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, although there are several, I'd have to say one that stands out the most for me and I think really catapulted me into the work that I do now is I was at, I worked at a very prestigious world-renowned hospital and I thought that I was in just like my most ideal position. Like this was like, this was the job, like the one that I'd set out, like I had made it. So I thought, right. And so, and I had been given this very prestigious title and I just noticed that as the more work that I did, it seemed like the rest, the less recognition I got. So I, I definitely believe that many of us can relate to this. We'll be in a position that we love and we're growing, we're learning, we're trying to do more. And we reach kind of this glass ceiling. We want to do more in the role. We have wonderful ideas. We'd like to implement change processes and all of these things. And in this particular role, I was responsible for the onboarding and education of not only new grads, but for experienced nurses in cardiothoracic ICU. So I loved it. But one of my passions, if you I bring you back to my personal story of why I became a nurse is I wanted to be the best cardiac nurse in the world and do a lot of community health advocacy. So on my off time, I would do work with the American Nurses Association, American Heart Association, ARP, talking about important health initiatives. And this particular employer wanted me to invest all of my time and efforts solely in the job and didn't want me to do, spend as much time on the other stuff. Oh, Alice, that's not peer reviewed. You're not, you know, that you're not getting paid for that. You should be putting all of those efforts here in your employers. And I think 
employers, look, this is a whole nother episode, but employers really want to own, they want to own their nurses, not just what you do at the bedside, but any innovation that you come up with, which I think is another reason why nurses don't get credit for the things they create because it comes to become the product of the hospital. It's in your new hire paperwork, read the fine print y'all. But anyways, I reached this glass ceiling and I was put in a position where I had to choose. I had to choose to either continue in this position and have to cut all of that other stuff out of the picture. Like I couldn't do my social media. I can do television, community health advocacy, even though you think that that's the stuff we're supposed to do. We're supposed to educate people and work our way out of a job. But the job wanted all of my attention, time and effort, even though I was excelling there. And so I had to, I was put in a very difficult position. I had to realize what I was, you know, find my passion and my purpose. And my purpose was to be the best cardiac nurse in the world, despite the official title I had had at that job. And I knew that I was making an impact in the community. So I ended up leaving that facility, working at a smaller hospital, doing some similar work, but continuing my community advocacy and all this and that. And I'll speak to the television piece, but I had done more television doing important health pieces in that first five months. than I had done the whole five years that I, at that particular facility and stepping out and doing what I felt was my truly like God-given talent and what made me happy. I was worried. I was worried about, oh my gosh, if I leave this position, if I leave the bedside, what's going to happen? But the truth is nurses can run it. You can do anything and everything you want. There's so many things that you can do in nursing. You're so powerful. And to, you know, to not be afraid of stepping into your own power as a nurse. So again, I stepped away from that world-renowned hospital. Don't let the titles fool you guys. Every hospital has the same issues. Went to a smaller hospital. And then now, you know, I'm chief nursing officer at nurse.org. I'm an NBC uh, Los Angeles medical correspondent. And I still get to work in an ER and an ICU, maybe at a smaller hospital, but I didn't let those formal titles fool me. Informally, I'm a nurse and I'm a nurse leader, regardless of where I work. And so I want people to step into that power and not be afraid to do so. Yes. You know, that is just such pearls of wisdom that you're sharing. And, you know, I often wonder if people realize that sometimes life gets really hard and is in a way to sit there and say, hey, you have bigger things ahead and we're going to make it really hard until you get the idea that you got to jump um, because the world and needs you somewhere else. And that's what your story reminds me of, Alice. It's reminding me that if you had stayed where you were, we wouldn't have you where you are today. And you're making such a difference in what you do. And to everyone else out there who feels in that moment when life is crazy and that things just seem to be too hard, maybe that's your, your sign that there's something bigger ahead. Because don't let, as Alice even says, like don't let that passion fade because nurses can lead it. And they are. And there are incredible nurses out there across the country today making bigger roles, holding bigger seats at the table than we ever had before. And we need more of you to do it. So thank you, Alice. Like this is this is so great. And so tell me then, like, what are you most excited about today? Like what has you get up every morning and think, okay, this is great. Like there is real positive movement here. What has you excited? You know what? What keeps me excited is that the opportunities are endless. I mean, this past two years has really shown me that anything and everything is possible. Again, I was at this other facility and I was I thought that I knew what nursing quote unquote looked like. And I kind of fell into this regimen of, okay, go to work, you know, reports, patient meds. It's just, I just kind of had this, this algorithm because that's how we're, we're groomed. We're groomed to go to the bedside and just do a 12 hour shift and then, you know, come back and do another one. But I learned that there's so much more to nursing and nursing can look so different. 
again, wherever there's a person, I don't want to say a patient because everyone's going to be a patient at some point, right? You're born in a hospital, you're a patient. And you know, even when you pass, if you're in the hospital or getting care or sick, you're going to be a patient. So wherever there are people, there are nurses. There's going to be something that you're going to help either help someone with the illness. You're going to help someone promote health and wellness. Nursing looks like whatever you want it to look like. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about nursing that, that keeps me excited and going because like working with nurse.org, I'm like, great, what campaign are we working on today? And everything that I'm doing, I'm following my passion, my purpose. I'm still educating the public. You know, when I when I do news and television, even nurses, when I work with nurse.org and we do lives, because again, we're nurses, but we're also consumers. So we talk about important health issues. We talk about the profession and how to how people can stay practicing, but do so along their passion. So that keeps me excited that I get to help motivate and keep other people interested in nursing. Well, you are doing a tremendous job at that, Alice. And it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. I think your insights are exactly what the world uh, needs to hear about nursing today. So tell me, where can people find you if they want to find you today? How can they contact you if they want to engage? Where's the best places to find you? Sure. So I'm on all social media at Ask Nurse Alice. I made it real easy for everyone. I also have a website, asknursealice.com. And if you're interested in following me, you can go to the website and find things there. But then also, especially for the nurses, you know, there's um, my contact information is on nurse.org. But if you want to email me, you can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. You know, I'd be happy. I'm so happy when nurses actually reach out to me because I think that they think that, well, I'm going to reach out to her on Instagram and she's not going to respond. I respond. I totally respond. And I'm really excited. And I really want to engage anyone who's interested in wanting to, you know, join campaigns, be a part of the solution. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to mentor, you know, share my challenges and struggles so you can avoid those potholes. I'm here to help. So I'm very approachable. Well, you know, Alex, and for everybody who listens, I hope you do uh, come and follow and engage with Nurse Alex um, because today you had some real pearls of wisdom on it. So Alex, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Uh, so everybody who tuned into Outcomes Rocket Nursing, thank you for tuning in to listening to some of the most innovative nursing leaders in the United States and around the world. Tune again, again with us next week, and we look forward to speaking to you then. Thank you. Thank you.